Our scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the, for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is ready at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Dear friends of God, when the Pevensey children come into Narnia, they find that it's under a curse of a spell from a wicked witch. And, and it was said in the, in the, in the pages of, of the story, this is the curse. It is winter in Narnia and has been forever so long. Always winter, but never Christmas. And we immediately feel the chill of that. When we read through the story, we, we go, oh, this is, this, this is not good. We sense that, that pain. We sense that, that sense of, of longing. Narnia is cold and bleak, and it never gets better. Winter never gives way to spring. It doesn't even make way for fun celebrations like Christmas. It's under the cloak of of an evil. As, as blogger Nick Cady writes, it is perhaps one of the most apt and poetically concise descriptions of hopelessness ever written. Always winter, but never Christmas. And somewhere we recognize that. Somewhere we, we understand what, what this is about. It's, a, it's not something that just exists in Narnia. But it exists here as well. C.S. Lewis wrote this, this story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, in the context of World War II and the, and the London Blitz. The Pevensey children got to the professor's house. Why? Because there were bombs falling in London. A time of massive industrialized violence and untold suffering and hopelessness. When would this war 
ever end. And you wonder, how are things going in Ukraine? They're suffering so much because of the bombs that are being rained down, the cluster bombs that are, are sent down in a way calculated to keep them cold and dark in, in winter. Using winter as a weapon of war. When will that vicious, punitive, grinding war ever end? Will it escalate to nuclear war? And while the, the world's attention is on this, there's another crisis going on in, in, in Somalia and Ethiopia and Kenya and 18 million people live in famine and hunger and abject poverty, struggling to find enough to eat. Children are dying in all three countries, 25,000. The rains just haven't come for years. And the social upheaval is unrelenting as the political, the political regime keeps people oppressed. And these are the effects of climate change, which is seemingly unstoppable. Will we ever figure that out? Glaciers are melting. The Arctic is losing its ice cap. Rising sea levels threaten the very existence of low-lying nations. And then there's the issue of the economy, and people are using the food bank more often these days. People feel more vulnerable. A record number at the, at the food banks across the country. And then there's the respiratory illnesses that are going around, and the hospitals are in crisis. When will the pandemic end? And cancer still happens to the people we love, and, and people still get hit by drunken drivers. We sense a curse in our world. And it affects us, our families, our friendships, our, our neighbors, our cities, our nations. And the world is not the way it's supposed to be. And it's been that way since the fall into sin. We feel the chill of this curse. It is always winter and never Christmas. We feel it. We know it. And so, when we meet Father Christmas in, in the book, we are ready for something to change. We're ready for something to return to the way things should be. Father Christmas shows up when the children and Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are on the run trying to get to Aslan at the stone table before the white witch can find them. And they hear the jingling of bells and they're filled with dread, sure that the witch's sleigh bells are there and they've been found. And instead they see something that has Mr. Beaver dancing with delight. Come and see. This is a nasty knock for the witch. It looks as if her power is already crumbling. And there stands Father Christmas. Not the jolly red guy in the shopping mall. But this is Father Christmas. This is a huge man in a bright red robe and a big white beard that make him look a, looks a a little bit wilder, a little bit more formidable, a little bit like an Old Testament prophet. And Father Christmas himself declares what's coming true. I've come at last, he says. She's kept me out for a long time, but I've got in at last. Aslan is on the move. The witch's magic is weakening. 
And if one of the most apt politically, or in politically, or poetically concise descriptions of hopelessness is, is always winter and never Christmas, then one of the most apt and poetically concise descriptions of hope ever written is Aslan is on the move. And when you read that in the book, did your heart kind of go, oh, something's lifting, something's happening, something is going to change. Lucy feels a shiver of gladness run through her body, which you only get if you are being Solomon still. And readers feel, feel the delight of all the signs pointing to the good lion, to the Christ figure in the story, taking away the witch's spell. And all around, the melting snow and the return of the birds and the blooming of flowers declare the same thing. Even the witch sees it, and she fights it at every turn. Father Christmas is like John the Baptist, who announced the arrival of the true king, the one who would turn the world around. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him and hear our words of hope. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The Lord has come near. And you feel a shiver of gladness when you hear those words when John appears on the pages of Scripture. Something is about to change. A curse is about to be lifted. John is a herald. He's an announcer. He's one with a megaphone and he, he calls out. He calls us to pay attention to the signs. And if you ask him, he'd say, don't look at me. Look at the one who's coming after me. Don't, don't listen to me, but listen even more to him who's coming. I'm not the one who's going to save the world, but I'm pointing to the one who will. I'm the voice calling from the margins. I'm the megaphone calling out from the rough places, as the scriptures said I will do. I'm not the main event. I'm the guy with the finger. I'm the guy pointing to the guy who's the real deal. I'm the one who shows the curse is coming to an end. And with the same delight, as the children watching the snow finally melt, people can hear the message of John the Baptist. The world is about to change, and we need to see this wonder. And they came, and they saw him, and they listened to him, and they were baptized by him. And they, they heard the good news and we need to hear the good news that we've been longing for forever and still long to hear. We hardly dared believe that the power of evil could finally be broken. But John arriving on the scenes makes, us, makes our hearts glad. The long-awaited Messiah has come. The one who would finally bring things to right has come. As we sing on Christmas Day, no more let sins and sorrow grow, sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. All that God cursed. Genesis 3. The sin, the sorrow, the thorns infesting the ground would experience the flowing blessing of this Savior. Our hearts are glad at this good news. Christmas is a time of joy. We light the candle of joy. 
The Messiah has come and the world is no longer the same. The curse of sin has been broken. The hopelessness in our hearts has been replaced with a real living hope. Change is possible. Things do not have to be the way they have been. And what's more, we are enlisted in the cause of this new thing. This new order doesn't just happen to us. It does, doesn't happen. It happens with us. It happens with us participating in it. In the book, not only does Father Christmas herald a change, he also prepares the Pevensey children to participate in that change. And he says, these are your presents, says Father Christmas. They are tools, not toys. The time to use them is perhaps near at hand. Bear them well. The gifts that he gives to Peter, Susan, and Lucy aren't just nice things to make them feel happy and play with. They have a purpose. To Peter, he gives a sword and a shield. To Susan, he gives a bow and, and an arrows and, and a horn. To Lucy, he gives a healing potion and a dagger. He tells them they're tools, not toys. These are tools that match their abilities. And the contributions that they can make as they're enlisted into Aslan's fight against the wicked witch. They're not excused from the fight, but they're enlisted and armed to join where they can because they will face some serious battles. And when John the Baptist calls us to prepare our hearts, he's not just saying, us to make us feel, saying this to make us feel dour or, or guilty or a bit put off. He's offering us weapons, weapons of the Spirit, by which we can participate in this coming, in this kingdom that this king is bringing about. He calls us to confession. He calls us to repentance. He calls us to turning away from what is untrue and unkind and unjust and oppressive. Stand for what is right and true and just. Cast aside the fruitless deeds of darkness and produce good fruit. These spiritual practices are gifts to us. They prepare us for action. They prepare us to reorient our lives to the king who will be born at Christmas. These are gifts to us, practices, weapons of the spirit that keep us strong and spiritually vital. The true king has come at Christmas and he enlists us among his followers. And what's more, says John, he declares that the one who is coming will bring the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus will give the Holy Spirit who will empower us to do this spiritual work of repentance, of confession, and renouncing darkness. The Spirit will enable us to have faith that can stand the light of day and withstand the dark of night. The Spirit will help us sincerely follow in the way of Christ. And the Spirit will give us spiritual gifts and these gifts are not meant for us to feel good, although they do that. They're meant as tools on the mission of Jesus. And we still have some serious battles to face as we await the fullness of his kingdom. And so the unconditional love and the joy that overflows and the peace that subdues and the patience that endures and the kindness that disarms 
and the goodness that draws in and the faith that prevails and the gentleness that counterbalances violence and the self-control that subverts the cultural narrative are not meant for us to feel better about ourselves and just feel wonderful and isn't this great, I've got this. The unique spiritual abilities we receive from the Spirit to speak, to stand in faith, to witness, to support and encourage our weapons of the Spirit by which Christ breaks the curse and causes his blessings to flow into the world. As Reverend Heidi Haverkamp says in the book of devotions that, we're, that are guiding us as we uh, do the sermon series, but preparing our, ourselves and our communities for the Savior means taking seriously our call to stand against evil and injustice, whether our armor is a skill with words or skill in actions, the financial resources to make gifts to charity, or the inner resources to stand up at a protest or at a school board meeting. Take the armor of God, the armor God has given you seriously, and prepare the way of the Lord that all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. So use your unique passions. Use your gifts. Use your skills to love and serve others in the name of Jesus. That's exactly what the Spirit will do within you. The mission of God in this world has taken a new turn in the coming of Christ at Christmas. In the book, Peter and Susan and Lucy are given tools that were used in, you know, they were, they were weapons. They were medieval weapons to physically fight against the dark forces of the wicked witch. It's nice for a swashbuckling story, a grand yarn for children, a kind of a romantic view of, of what that's all about. But for us today, the tools of the Spirit enlist us in what Christ is doing as he lifts the curse from the world. They're unlikely weapons, weapons of forgiveness, weapons of mercy, weapons of repentance and love and acceptance and patience and the like. These have a power and an authority that will ultimately win. These are the things that will last. So listen to the joy in your heart as you hear the one who announces the coming of the one who will lift the curse. And do the work, the heart work of repentance, confession, renunciation, and use the gifts you receive to do your part in his grand kingdom that has come and is coming in Jesus. The most powerful description of hope is the one we hear at Christmas. Christ the Savior is born. Prepare your hearts and join this kingdom of light. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for your herald, John the Baptist, and our hearts are filled with joy because we know that in the darkness, your light shines. Prepare our hearts to receive that light and use our, our minds and our bodies and everything we have to, to join him in his kingdom of light in the darkness of this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.